0: Welcome into another edition of Cornhusker Connection. I'm Brandon Shanahan, full crew today with Tyler Sprinkle and Brooke Byrne. Tyler's first episode as a uh, as a husband, as a newlywed. How's that going for you, Tyler? Got the the ring and everything. That's good. Eden. Um,
1: I'm slowly finding my place. Um, you know, making a corner for myself when I get in
0: trouble. Um, <laughs> I'm in learning. Old newspaper you know? and yeah, r- ruffle it up. Yep. I love it. You're you're right, honey. <laughs> yep. You're always right. <laughs> well, good stuff. Um, a celebratory episode, obviously, with Tyler getting married. And also Nebraska won. They played last week, they won, and I'm sure everybody's very excited and happy about it. And have no complaints about Nebraska having a winning record. No
1: nope. I mean, maybe since I got married, they're never gonna
0: lose again. You think that was Herbie. the curse? That I it was... got my ring, so now they're jealous and they're going to get theirs. Yeah, I think I think we're on the right track. I, people mm-hmm. say it was Frank Solich. Some say it was Brunette Herbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tyler Sprinkle bachelorhood. <laughs> yep. The worst thing to ever happen in Nebraska sports. Well, really, if you think about it, I mean, since high school is when they really started to hit the shitter. Which yep. is right about, you know, when people are eligible to get married. In yeah, most when I found my penis environments. Yeah, around man. the same time. <laughs> Well, just jumping into the game, Nebraska beats up on Northwestern. It was very ugly. Um did not look good offensively in almost any way, minus you know that big play to Malachi Coleman at the end. Um do you guys have anything good to say about the offense? Next. Emmett Johnson looked good. He did. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the running backs. Anthony Grant held on to it, which was which was nice. Um, Yeah, the running game was fine, I'd say. They they had
2: their moments, you know. It was nice to see them. Because it seemed like we committed to running the ball on first and second down, and it was nice to see us pop five eight-yard runs every once in a while instead of seeing getting stacked up after a one-yard gain. But – as soon as our offensive line starts finding our footing, we, we lose two more of them this week. So
0: maybe that's oh, the drawing board. Gosh. I, uh, I saw a tweet on Saturday that they had a stagger shifts in the tent because they just didn't have enough space in there for all the guys that were going down.
1: Yeah, Billy Kemp was just waiting his turn
0: outside, yeah. crying with his family.
2: It was – it was amazing to see Ethan Piper and Billy Kemp get hurt on the same fucking play. Like, what the hell?
0: Yeah, I mean, typically, at least like the football gods will like spread it out, like maybe one player this week, another player this week. You know, I was like, let's just get this out of the way now and, you know, let them ro- roll the dice there. Also, we do have our-
1: to go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Our wide receiver court is all freshmen and sophomores now, like- all from Nebraska, too. Can't be good for football, but it I'd imagine good for vibes. Yeah. It's a tough scene.
1: Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say is um thankfully, you know, you gotta count our blessings when we can. And uh thankfully Billy Kemp isn't out for the year. Probably gonna be out for a while, but they still end up coming back, hopefully, sometime this year.
0: Come back in just enough time to shit on the Hawkeyes, which is all yep. I really care about. Um, good things. There were some good things. Uh Tristan Alvano, I think, was my biggest relief that biggest um kind of breath of fresh air. Because I, I was I was awfully mean to him for no real good reason early on to start the year, admittedly. But I now he's made a field goal in Lincoln and now all of a sudden I feel better. And it was a 40 what 45 yard or two. It 47. wasn't like chip, 47. In that was that
1: into the wind as yeah, well. Yeah into the wind. It was, like was, not
0: it was probably good from 57 if yeah. we're being honest. I so I um all the doubts that not I guess all the reasonable doubts, unreasonable doubts I had about him are gone. I'm very happy that we have a kicker for the first yeah. time in years.
1: And he's strung A couple good weeks together. I think he's yeah. just like our first games, like our first three games at what we had two attempts, three attempts over the first three games. Like so he's finally getting a shot and he's um,
0: building that confidence and getting better every week. Absolutely. Defense was also stellar as, as usual. Um, it didn't, it, It's a weird feeling whenever I see a quarterback drop back and go, oh, we're going to get a sack here. And then more times than not, oh, they get a sack. What did we have, like 10 on
2: Saturday? I think it was nine before we ended up with eight. Obscene stuff. Some names I want to throw out there that, like, at the beginning of the year, you wouldn't have thought would factor into so much. Playing Jamari Butler, whoever this James Williams kid is that just came out of nowhere and Rule brought him up in his post-game interview. Uh, Robinson, Ty Robinson looked good. Hutt Macker, however you say his name. It was nice to see it was a committee of guys getting in on it, but
0: Jamari Butler especially, he is a freak. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with, with where this defense is trending. Tony White. And the thing that I loved so much about Tony White that I wanted to bring up is at the end of the game – I feel like it's easy for defenses to just kind of sit back on their heels and wait for the offense to come to them. And I we see so many times where that doesn't work out. And even in offense, I think we even kind of saw it in the Illinois game a little bit where Illinois couldn't get anything, not Illinois, um, Minnesota, where Minnesota couldn't get anything going all game. Then all of a sudden they put together two really good drives to eventually take the lead and beat Nebraska late. But this time they did not stop bringing the pressure they kept everything dialed up kept everything aggressive and said we're this is working for us this works for 50 minutes of this football game we're not going to change anything until you know the final final whistles yeah
1: and one guy we didn't mention um which i think was maybe the highlight especially the first half i think was uh, gifford i mean he was flying around making plays everywhere all day um you know and being off the ball as far as he is, still him still coming down and making those plays is, is really fun to watch. Uh, everybody was flying around, playing confidently, uh, playing loose. It was, it was really fun to see that defense have so much fun
2: out there. That screenplay in the third or fourth quarter, me and Tyler were talking about where they had two blockers out in front, and Gifford kind of ducked under them and made the play. That what that was almost a house call and yeah, big momentum play there.
0: Excluding the Michigan game, I don't think there's been a single moment where I've seen this defense be anything other than extraordinarily confident and excited and energetic. And I think that's certainly not something to to, to look over. Um, Uh, You could say, like, after the first couple drives in the second half against
1: Colorado. Yeah, yeah. That's the only other game. But I, I agree with you. They... They always look to be buttoned up and in the game, engaged, even though you could make the
2: argument that they could be upset
1: because the offense doesn't do much. Exactly.
2: And also, I think after week three or four, I was on here talking about, it felt like we gave up too many third down conversions. And back to what Brandon said, I think he hit the nail on the head, the evolution of Tony White. Keep bringing the pressure on third down. Like you said, it had been working. And now these guys, even on the back end, being on an island, they're it feels like they're a lot more confi- confident in themselves. So it's nice to know when we get to third and long, we're gonna get off the field, and the defense is believing in themselves a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and I, I wonder if it's just them getting more comfortable in that three three five that they run, um, because they we have a lot of older guys, uh, guys that have been in different systems in college before, so getting used to that three three five is it's
0: probably been a little difficult for them. So it seems that they're getting it finally. Absolutely. exciting stuff, um, there was a lot of bad stuff on on the offense. Um, I'll say this, the thing that I was most disappointed about, and Brooke kind of alluded to the eventual solution to this, but to come out, first play of the game, and have a drop back pass down the field across the middle, and you know a couple of plays later, it seemed like whenever they were having Henrik Harburg drop back and pass, bad things were happening. And when Henry carberg has been competent this season, it's been because he's been running first. And the objective is to get him downfield with his legs or side to side with some options. If you want to call it an option, he never pitches the football. But nonetheless, getting him out into the open and then kind of working some passes from there where you get him moving. Because for some reason, he's 6'5", still can't throw it over the offensive line um that's maddening to me but it's it, he fucking throws sidearm all the time i don't get it so you
1: see um not to cut you off uh we'll continue your your little rant that you got going on here but uh it seems like when he's rolling out and he's out of the pocket he's a decent enough passer but he can't do it in the pocket because of his like delivery it seems so you cut the field in half rolling out one way or the other which stinks <laughs> But if you got to throw the ball, I think that's kind of what you got to do. Unless you have him, like on that Malachi Coleman play, you have him drop back 10 yards and the line actually holds up for a little while. Um,
0: Lots of ifs there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, he's just not – his delivery is frustrating to watch, as you said.
2: And also, just watching him over the last four games, glad we're getting wins, but – Overall, he just looks super uncomfortable in the pocket. Whenever we do drop back and throw, he wants no part of sitting in that pocket. And when he does, it's very antsy.
1: Yeah, and I get that because of the line that we've had. Like they haven't they have not been as bad as we've seen them over the Mm -hmm. past couple years, but they're still not super good. So I understand why he might get a little jittery. Um But with his jitteriness, he comes with indecisiveness that he has. Mm -hmm. um, Like afraid to make that throw. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't feel confident enough to make that throw. Like he doesn't know if he can get it to where it needs to be. Or if he's like, he sees something, he's, oh, wait, this might be open. He's reading the wrong way, maybe. Um, But yeah, there's things that, that if he worked on that passing mechanic, his delivery, I think he could be a decent passer. He know, great showed- he's, he's six Go foot ahead.
0: five and played at Kearney Catholic. So he probably didn't need to really focus on refining yeah. his arm motion. But yeah, if, and, and there's a good deferred chance that people around him are like, oh, well, he's going into spring as QB five. Like yeah. it's great that, you know, he's, he's on the I team know. and that he's, you know, continuing the Husker legacy and his family and homegrown and all that. But now you're in the spotlight playing power five college football for a team. That's not out of a conference championship appearance race. Yeah,
1: um, and I, I want to root for him so bad, just because as you said, he is a Nebraska guy. He's born and raised here. His family has strong ties to the program. It's just he's very mediocre, um, and yeah, he's winning games,
2: which is great. But when he looks bad, he looks really, really bad. It just it's it's disheartening to where. The first play of the game, you had. I'm sure the first ten or fifteen are all scripted, and you know what's coming. And he missed that throw to Fedoni by five yards, five ten yards. It was. If he
1: hits him up the seam there, I mean, he has
2: ten yards to throw the ball. Just even if he throws it, it out front of him and it's incomplete,
0: it's like, oh well. But yeah. it was. It was just so bad. Yeah, I will say I am impressed. That it seemed like he had collected his composure pretty quickly after that. Yes. Granted, yeah. didn't look he never looks comfortable in the pocket, so he's not gonna be a you know a whole different guy. He still wasn't very good throughout the rest of the game. But I'd imagine it's very easy to just rattle and completely uh collapse after what your first two passes or interceptions. And for him to kind of just settle down and run the offense after that, I I, I was pretty impressed with. Yeah, I agree. He, um, he did settle in
1: a little bit there, uh, even after the second one that you could argue that it wasn't his fault necessarily. Um, but just so early on seeing two picks, you're like, here we go again. Like I'm going to ruin the game for everybody. Um, but the defense picked him up really nicely on both of those turnovers. Um, so I think that helped him keep his confidence going and going throughout the game. Just, uh, we really – I wish we just had some sort of life on the offense. Like,
2: It's just – even when he's running the ball, we run those speed options. It's like he fucks up in so many areas that he's never going to pitch the ball. He fumbled a snap again this week. I, I almost see the train wreck coming when we play in Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. He's He's got to just clean some of it up and look – I get more comfortable in a, in his own skin playing it sounds like going forward he's going to be the guy until we hear otherwise so i guess i'm just looking for some areas of progression and over the last 3 weeks it's just been flat it's been the same yeah it doesn't and look like he's getting any better
1: yeah and i'm glad you brought up the the options right um brandon we were talking about it during the game where i'm like he should pitch that ball I understand what you're saying, like, keep the ball in your hands. Um, so to limit, you know, the the turnover risk there. Um, but my main thought on that is if he's going to be our starting quarterback, he needs to protect himself in that situation by getting rid of the ball there. And you mentioned that it was on the short side of the field. So say he misses the pitch, more than likely it's going out of bounds, right? But instead he keeps it and gets drilled on that play. So it's just, it's more so him protecting himself. If this is our option, our best option going forward, if he gets hurt, then it seems like we're
0: screwed. So two things there. First of all, my biggest pet peeve in the world is running speed options like that to the short side of the field. I I don't know why it's ever a good idea because the whole point of that option is that you spread everybody out and then you read your, your read man and then you create stuff in space. You don't have any space on the short side of the field. It works just fine when you work to the other side of the field and then, of course, you make the read. You'd like to see him pitch it more. But that's, I mean, that blows my mind that that still happens. I agree. I agree with you. Um, Second point, I think kind of the opposite. I think, well, now that Jeff Sims is healthy, do what Henrik Harburg does best. And that's put his shoulder down, get downfield. Because I don't think the gap is that big to where if you do have to go to Jeff Sims, I don't think it's like going from Cade Clubneck to going to whoever they have up in eastern Iowa. I don't think the gap's that big because um, I also wanted to point out that on the depth chart, it's still Henrik Harburg or Jeff Sims. Granted, if you're going to make the change, you're going to make it out of the buy. So moving forward, it seems like he's one A for sure. But even the coaches haven't you know, gone out of their way to to put out a, a big gap there. So with that in mind, yeah, I'd say you, you run them 25 times a game.
2: And I would argue
0: the other way. Um, I think the gap is that big,
1: in my mind, uh, for favoring Jeff Sims, um, but we're winning, and you can't argue with winning.
2: My my whole thought on the quarterback situation, it's it's real weird, but again, anytime you see someone being held out with playing under four games, you got to think the mentality is they're gonna redshirt him, and maybe. They just, you know, want Sims in the system for a year to get comfortable, and you know he's talking with Satterfield and picking Satterfield's brain. Maybe next year, you know, you get a full off season with the program you're going to be playing for next fall. You know, eligibility nowadays is a huge thing, but
0: I, I personally think they're going to try to redshirt him. Interesting. That would make me very upset. Um, cause now, know, granted, I, I see where you're coming from. And if they really think that highly of Jeff Sims, which they very well might, I think that that's such a, know, right, that's such a cop-out, especially where you're at in the season now where a bowl game is very much in the cards and you look at this God awful division that they play in and you think we could really do something pretty cool this year, especially looking next year. Next year is going to get way harder to get to the big 10 championship game. How much of a momentum push would it be? if we pushed out our best foot forward and, you know, made a push for that granted some, you you really have to, you know, play up to this team's potential to get there. But if I'm the coaching staff, that's more so what what I'm looking at than getting, you know, Jeff Sims, a another, another two years of eligibility, I'd say. I agree.
2: But just knowing how Matt rule operates in year one of a rebuild, he's wholeheartedly just trying to get to six wins. It feels like, especially, with the number of injuries we're going through. If we were to be able to get to a big 10 championship game with Heinrich Harburg and the number of injuries we're going through on both sides of the ball, this would have to be one of the best Nebraskan coaching jobs, like of all time with this roster after, you know, having to flip their mindsets, you know, winning three or four games every year and totally changing the culture it, it just feels like Rule's just trying to get to a bowl game, and in his mind, we're we're not thinking about if it happens, great, but I don't even think that's on their radar.
0: You're not wrong. He does seem much, 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 much more patient than I am. So, I yeah. of him. Yeah. Than the whole fan base, I'd say. Yeah, much that's for sure. But it's, it's great it's... that we
2: even just have belief in that right now, that there's a yeah. chance that we could do that.
0: It's crazy. I mean, it's we're at the end of October and we're still not out of it. Well, I mean, assuming that Minnesota doesn't run the table, which would include being Ohio State, we're, we're control our own destiny.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that's
0: not nothing. Um, so speaking of the quarterbacks, do you think that we should make the change? Obviously, Brooke, you uh, bring up eligibility, but is do do who who should be QB one for Purdue?
2: If, if he's 100% healthy, I'd like it to be Sims. But I do think we can win with Harburg as we've shown the last three or four weeks. So,
1: Yeah, I think he's good enough to beat a team like Purdue. Uh, but when you start talking about Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa, they're so – I'm not 100% super familiar with Maryland, the way they play. Um, but I know for sure Wisconsin and Iowa, their defenses are so good, they're not going to let him run around. They're not. And then it takes away, not to be rude to Harbor, but that takes away the only thing he's good at. So it's – and with a a, a beat-up line, offensive line, uh, it's going to make it even harder for him to go around and do stuff against good defenses. So – um this week, I, I'd say keep Harburg, um, but if you were going to make a switch, this is the week to do it to get him some reps against still a good team at Purdue. Um, they, they're they very feisty, um, but
0: get him some game time before you go into the gauntlet. It's crazy that the gauntlet is like Maryland and Wisconsin, considering how bad those teams typically yeah. are. And I'm, you, I'm starting right.
1: to feel very... I'm starting to feel a lot more confident about that Wisconsin game. Um, mm-hmm. Illinois had Michigan them on just, the
2: ropes for three quarters yeah. and then just didn't finish the job. So
0: yeah. <laughs> Story of Nebraska's life the past <laughs> 10 years, man. Yeah. So I think, so going into the bye week I was thinking this is an opportunity to go back to Jeff Sims, get him a full week, get him a full couple of weeks to get back together with, with this team and to get you know, try to get as much cohesion as possible. And then you come out with Northwestern, you know, one of the worster teams in the big in the Big Ten. Um, the next opportunity, and I kind of hate to say this, but I do think it is Henrik Harburg's job until he loses it. And I think that's by design, because I think it's easier to send Harburg out there. Harburg's a disaster, you're down two touchdowns against Maryland, and then you make the switch, bring some life into this offense with Jeff Sims, as opposed to coming out of the bye week putting Jeff Sims in there, he's just as big of a disaster as he was to start the season. And then now you have to kind of teeter between going back to two very bad quarterbacks. So I think that it kind of feels like an emergency plan and frankly, a pretty good emergency plan. I'd say to have Jeff Sims ready to go at a moment's notice to the point where if you need a spark, if you need to start airing it out more, if you fall behind, then you kind of have that up your sleeve.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I do agree with some of what you're saying. But if we lose a game, then there's no point to put Jeff Sims back out there. Um, well, I guess there is, in, in a sense, to win six games to get to a bowl game. That's the point. But I think with he's he's had so much more time with the starters and end game. Uh, I think you just keep Harburg out there. I mean, it just makes the most sense. He's the most comfortable right now because he's getting those game time reps than having Jeff Sims go out there and and try to get up to speed.
0: Yeah, that's not nothing.
2: I would just love to know. This is very hypothetical. Say we do beat Purdue and uh, Michigan State and we're six and three. We're in the thick of the Big Ten West race. How rule handles everything going forward because he has that team believing in themselves and you're six and three and you're sitting there like, holy crap. If we win these next three games, we're going to Indianapolis. Would he, you know, put his foot on the pedal a little bit more, or are we doing the same thing, you know, just plugging along with Harburg and the guys that are available?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy situation. Cause you, you look at, you know, the next however many games it is, the easiest two are the next two.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's only going to get harder after that. Um, yeah. That's an interesting point. Cause then you also look on the flippity flop, well now heart six and one, but there's only loss against, you know, a national powerhouse in in Michigan or however that math comes out to be. Yeah. Um, so that's like, well, I mean, if he's, and that's why I'm also not opposed to, you know, Purdue is the worst team that will play the rest of the season. If you do want to make the switch, make it this week to where you have that margin for error. Um, but I think above all else, I'm just kind of trusting the guys who are who are around the team and, and Coach Rule and, and Satterfield. Yeah. They they know way more than I do. They know what's going to be. Uh, like I just mentioned, they are far more patient than I am. So I am oh, whatever they decide I am excited about. Lots Absolutely. of excitement. The last thing I wanted to get into, just about this previous week before we unveil our latest rankings, Um, were you guys watching the Iowa game live? Yes, we are. Oh, I, oh, that was the best part of this weekend. I'm sorry, Nebraska, but that was incredible. I felt sick to my stomach. I was like, these guys are really going to do this again, where they're going to. I think I said those
2: exact words when we watched it live.
0: Like that Jesse Pinkman clip, like he can't keep getting away with this, and (laughs) they got away with it, and then to have it snatched on like some technicality, wow, oh, that was awesome. It's I wish I could inject that into my veins. I'd never, yeah, that would be the best case. I I
2: see it both ways. Like you should not be able to be waving your arms around in any situation when you're returning a punt, but also there's no way. The Minnesota defenders thought he was calling for a fair catch in that situation. Plus, there was five guys within five yards of him right when he fielded that punt. So, either Minnesota's just that bad at you know tackling. I don't know. It's it seemed like a cop out, but it couldn't have happened
0: to a better team. Ah, uh, I can't believe it. It was, and you're absolutely right. Like it's it's. Kind of feel like neither team deserved to win that game. That was had no. two yards of offense in the second half. You don't deserve to win that game. And the Minnesota, like you said, they had this the boundary helping them out and then five guys surrounding Cooper DeGene and they still couldn't get him six more inches out of bounds. You don't deserve to win that game either. But here we are. But yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the The faithful fans of of Eastern Iowa drowning the field in garbage, pelting their cheerleaders with beer bottles. Uh, Yeah, couldn't happen to a better fan base, I'd say. Also, I can't stand
2: seeing P.J. Fleck win, so that was a double-edged sword there.
1: I wish I would have known that uh, Iowa's backup quarterback was so fucking fat. (laughs) I would have been watching that game the whole time instead of just like the last
2: 10 minutes. (laughs) And and his... Dumb socks where it was, they were pulled up
0: and his knees were sticking out. He just looked like a goober. I mean, outstanding stuff. Um, God damn it, dude. How great was that? Especially (laughs) as like a fan of a team who has seen their team lose so many games. I feel like we deserve to win. To see a team who constantly wins games that they don't deserve to win, finally get Finally, the football gods have have appeased us. Maybe even the football gods are putting an end to this after the the curse of Tyler's bachelorhood. So shout out, Tyler.
2: (laughs) And everybody was talking about them going 11-1 and and the AP poll finally having to rank them. So to see all of those Iowa fans be so high for a week and to lose like that is...
0: Well, at least they were good losers about it. I only saw level headed. I uh, know they were all pissy pants losers, all crying in their diaper about a rule that's pretty clear. I mean, it, the, the usage of it, I guess, is, is weird and, and invalid, fair catch signal. I've never heard of that until Saturday, but yeah, it's in the rule book. It's the rules. You can't do that. Yeah, that was, weird. it was really just a weird out.
2: situation
0: weird technicality but oh my gosh it couldn't have come at a better time i I, i'd imagine it's a similar feeling to being like a patriots fan on um the tuck rule game against the raiders or i was like we didn't deserve that but it is a rule it's a shitty rule i can't believe they actually enforced it but i'll take it yeah i'll take it bad 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 (laughs) but speaking of good we got some (laughs) new rankings to unveil here i'm actually pretty excited about these um Kind of get into it here. Um, I kind of had to redo my system because my whole thing was like tiers. Like, okay, well, this tier has a good win and no struggle losses. And then this team, you know, has no good wins, but they have a, Well, it seemed like every team in that first tier struggled. Washington scored one offensive touchdown against Arizona State. Texas and Oklahoma were both pushed to the brink by bad Big 12 teams, which is saying something because the Big 12 is bad this year. So if you're a bad team in a bad conference, it's a bad time. Coming off of a bye week to both of them. Um, of course, uh uh teams like uh Penn State picking up a loss. Um and I guess Georgia kept rolling. So I I just kind of switched it to these are the teams that I think are just the best right now, excluding Ohio State. They're still in that lone tier. Where it's like they, they have good wins and they haven't really struggled against anybody. But after Ohio State, it's just I just think these teams are the best. It is what it is. See you say that and then you have Florida
2: State who beat Duke by twenty, essentially at ten.
0: So That game wasn't as as lopsided as as I think. It was score. it
2: was closed for a while, but the final score yeah. is the final score.
1: Well yeah. when uh the only way you can beat a team is because their quarterback goes out. I mean
2: Well, yeah. it's not the first game he's gotten hurt in, you know, they wanted Duke wanted to use that excuse when he got hurt against Notre Dame. Protect him better
0: or don't get hurt. Yeah. Well, no. I, yeah. And I, you know, and I think there's that's the, the big reason why I think uh, Florida State's ahead of Duke in my rankings. I'm glad oh. that we cleared that up. I didn't think we'd have to, but <laughs> it's yeah. weird that I don't see Clemson anywhere on your guys' rankings. Oh, no, Clemson stinks. As much
2: as, oh, they do. Oh, yeah. darn.
0: Yeah, I was wrong.
2: Oh. I was wrong. Clemson
0: oh. stinks. Stabo stings. Clay Clubnick stinks. Yeah, they Tyler stink. stinks. You stink. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. North Seminole
2: Carolina, Seminole. your other, your guys's other ACC favorite.
0: What happened to them this weekend? Well, it's funny because I lost a
1: tough one, but
0: they can still come back and World beat Virginia, the
1: shit out of the shitty team.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, because last week I, I had put North Carolina in my top ten. I'm like, ah oh, man, you know, I probably should have put Louisville in there. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. The whole conference is garbage, so that's on me. That's on me. I gave the ACC too much credit. Well, they're going to have a national champion this year, so... yeah. Hmm. We'll see about that. As long as Florida State doesn't have to play Oregon State, Alabama, Oregon, Penn State, Oklahoma, Washington, Georgia, Michigan or Ohio State, yeah, they're in real good shape to win a national championship.
2: You just named 10 wins for them.
0: Uh, (laughs) All All right. All right. All right. Um... Let's see. I'm trying to think of any other. It's still so weird because it's like I I don't I I guess now we're kind of getting to the point where we're seeing teams actually get to play other good teams. So real
2: quick, obviously talking about the big game, the biggest game that happened this weekend, Ohio State, Penn State. I think I finally have a grasp on this Ohio State team now. I think their defense may be one, like, not maybe, they are one of the best in the nation, if not number one. But their offense is the offense of an 8-4 and team that gets bailed out by that defense time and time again because their defense is just so salty. And I wanted to believe Drew Aller was the guy to finally knock him down a peg, but he completed – 30% 30% of his passes and he looked much to the effect of Heinrich Harburg. So very much out on this Penn state team. Although I do think their defense is good as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's crazy because that is the biggest game of this weekend. It's been 33 minutes. We haven't brought it up once. Um, we talked about Iowa for 15 minutes. It was just that, not stinger. even the best team in the state of Iowa, but, um, Oh, boy. I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's an interesting kind of transition. Now, granted, when you go from uh, CJ Stroud to Kyle McCord, you you don't really have much of a choice in this, but it seems like they're taking the kind of approach that I thought that Michigan took when they finally elevated. Like We don't give a shit about having the best players or having the flashiest recruiting rankings. We just want to build a tough team that can beat Ohio state. Now I feel like it's kind of on the other end. It was like, okay, well we have shown that we can compete with Georgia. We can show that we can compete with it. We can beat any other team in the country. Ryan day hasn't lost to another big 10 team outside of Michigan. Like, are right, this. I want this team to be tough and big and strong enough just to beat Michigan. We'll figure the rest out later. You know, God forbid we get a draw like Michigan and TCU last year, but I'm, that kind of feels like the, the formula to me is like, okay, well we're getting tossed up by JJ McCarthy and um, they didn't even have to play quorum last year, but she's getting tossed up. We got to be tougher. Um, granted, when we play sec teams who don't play defense, we can kind of air it out and shoot, shoot them up a bit, but you got to toughen up against, against Michigan. And I don't know if that's just coincidence just because they do Luke go from CJ Stroud to Kyle McCord. And that's just how this team looks. But, that's kind of my best case scenario for Ohio State I
1: do have a question for Brooke um, no judgment here I'm just asking your honest opinion as your ranking is set do you truly believe that Florida State is better than Michigan and Georgia
2: no I just do it despite you guys
1: okay that's what I I figured that was the case but I I just figured I'd, I'd clear that up
2: I think Michigan, if I had to pick one team, is far and away the best team in the country this year. Mm -hmm. I think Georgia is probably the second best, but no Brock Bowers this year. I might slide Florida State into that two spot right now, but I was going to ask you guys this, but I'll go first. If the season ended today just off the eyeball test of who I think are the best four teams. This is going to sound crazy, but I think the best four teams are Michigan, Georgia, Florida state and Oregon. And I, I know they lost to Washington, mm-hmm. but that, that Oregon team watching them just run the ball down Wazoo's throat. Wazoo played pretty well for being on the road and a 20 point dog, but and Wazoo kind of got up on them early, but there was no flinch. And if Oregon just kicked field goals instead of going for it on fourth down every time they beat Washington, but neither here nor there. But what do you guys think? Who are the four best teams as it stands right now?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, as you said, I think Michigan is is like another level above everybody else right now. Um, I can see what you're saying with Florida State and Georgia being kind of interchangeable. Um because they're while they are Georgia still, there are some questions that haven't been answered yet. Um, so I do those two, two and three. I really like what Washington has going on. Um, their offense is great. <clears throat> and their defense is really solid as well. Um, but again, I hate playing the fence like this. But I again, I also agree with what you're saying about Oregon. Um the way that they just cannibalize each other every year is so fucking yeah. frustrating. Um, but it going with my gut, I'd go Washington number three or number four okay. rather.
0: Yeah. I, it's interesting phrasing. It's very specific phrasing. Cause the four best teams I, I would put Michigan would, well, by the way, to defend Michigan, I, I hear the sentiment. Oh, they haven't played anybody. Yeah. And they've looked like that. They haven't played anybody. Cause they've rolled Everybody. They shut out Michigan State, who was a power five football team. They shut out. I think they shut out another Big Ten team. They should have shut out Nebraska, to be honest. Yeah. Shout out Josh Fleeks. Yeah, shout out Josh Fleeks, hero, <laughs> getting him a statue in the parking <laughs> lot. Oh, my gosh, what a disaster that would have been. But I, yeah, they've looked like the best team in a, by a mile on every field that they've been on you know it's like the nuggets winning the championship last year people say oh well you played the seventh seed and the eighth yeah and they blew them out they swept the lakers they won in five games in every other series they they look like the better team and i think that's the same thing with michigan is that's just a competition they they look like they're playing a different sport um michigan uh, florida state and georgia yeah two and three interchangeable i'm not a fan of georgia's resume to this point but that's not the question the question was who's the best so i you do have to put them in there um by the way i do think it's funny that all three of us have florida state not where we think that they should be but just because we want to spite each other i think that's very yeah. <laughs> i'm very happy about that um i was really trying to find a way to keep them out of my top 10 but they're just really what am i going to put utah in there um and then that fourth spot if we're doing just the teams that i've seen with my eyeballs that are the best teams. Um, yeah, Oregon looks awesome. I don't think that they have um, a real fault. They they've rolled the bad teams. They've, you know, they probably should have beat Washington. Um, granted, and this wasn't the question, but I I don't think that they would deserve to be in the top four over Washington, of course, or uh, even above Oklahoma. Just but, what you gut feeling? What yeah, do you think? My eyeballs say that Oregon's the fourth best team in the country.
2: I I'm just not in love with. The big, the two Big Twelve teams, Texas and Oklahoma. I feel like they beat up on a, a conference that has a lot of bottom feeders, and they just they don't look like the other top ten teams in my eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah. both came really close to losing against other yeah. not so great Big Twelve opponents.
0: Um, yeah, this time and- that this time last week, I probably do put Oklahoma above Oregon, but yeah, I, yeah that was a real stinker. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we got to get over it. they did they did win cuz that's the name of the game it's just winning the game on your schedule. Not you're not going to blow out everyone unless maybe you're Michigan. You know, every top 10 team does have one or two of those or hopefully just one of those games where they let a team that's not on their level play even with them for three quarters, but they just they don't look
0: the part for me as far as playoff teams. Yeah. yeah, so that's an interesting question, but we do have some, speaking of playoffs, I did update some, whoops, we don't want to talk about Heisman yet, that's next episode, okay, so here's what our playoff would look like as is, four teams, top four ranked teams, Michigan, Ohio State, also, side note, in our rankings, Ohio State and Georgia tied, uh, they had the same amount of points, uh, I gave Ohio state the bump because they were higher in R three rankings. And it was the AP who had Georgia significantly ahead of them. Uh, well, I guess they finished two and three, so it doesn't much matter for the playoff. But that's, you know, a little bit insight on the, the rankings. And uh, then I think Michigan, Washington would be an outstanding football game. I would love that. Um, then uh, Ohio state, Georgia rematch would be pretty fun. So in my just going off these
1: four teams in my perfect world here, it would be Washington versus Georgia, and Wash or Michigan versus Georgia, and Washington versus Ohio State. Um, yeah, because then you truly—I don't know—it just it feels a little more even that way for those yeah. semifinal games. In in a, in a weird way, like I can't—I would never be able to describe why that feels
0: better, uh, but in my brain it feels better. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and this isn't the same Ohio State team as years past, but it feels like we would get more of a shootout. Washington and Ohio State, where Michigan and Georgia would be a defensive slugfest. So yeah. I, that's what would be appealing to me. If you know CJ Stroud was still a Buckeye, this isn't your your grandpa's Ohio State team, though.
2: This is a a defensive team now. Yeah, that they're gonna have to they're grind their way out on defense. So, and that's what you get in three of the four of these teams, the the odd man out is kind of Washington with the better offense. And I think really in any of these three matchups for Washington, they would probably get beat
0: pretty handily. Yeah. um, Which I think does make up for, if we get it, if things, you know, continue to, to go the way, like another matchup with Washington, Oregon, in the Pac-12 championship with Oregon, with just the one loss, Washington undefeated. I mean, that's – I was so disappointed with the conference championship games last year. That in and of itself, I don't even care what happens in the other four conferences. That's awesome. Sign me up for that every time. Yeah, and then plus the way I said, that means that we are guaranteed to finally
1: see Michigan versus Georgia. Yeah, I want to see that game so bad. Yeah. I think that would be one of the best college football games of all time.
0: Oh, man. Michigan should have been there last year, but they couldn't get past the the Council Bluffs kid. Yeah, couldn't get past the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. (laughs) What a disaster that was. How fun was that? Real quick. (laughs) Oh, wait. I'll save that for our Heisman talk, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. But also, if we were in a 12-team playoff, here's what that would look like, which I don't see I mean, a miss here. Ohio State Air Force would be kind of funky. So much
1: better. That one would be a disaster. That game would be an absolute disaster.
0: Yeah. But everything uh, else on this board, you know, gets me a little tight in the pants. I'm typically, like, against rematches. Like, I don't, like, Georgia-Alabama a couple years ago. I just saw this game two weeks ago. I don't want to watch this again. Granted, it turned out to be an all-time caliber national championship game. So, what do I know? But, like, a Texas-Alabama rematch? Where Alabama fights back for for the rest of the season, Texas, you know, either dominates the Big 12 or, or just finishes second fiddle to to a rising Oklahoma team. That would get, See, me, it, get me excited.
2: And this is why I, you know, I understand the 12 team playoff, but the, out of those first four matchups, the quarterfinals, I believe Oregon would shit down, Ole Misses throw, Florida State would beat Utah by three touchdowns, Ohio State would. Fuck no, Air Force. no way
1: you actually believe that. What Florida State beating Utah by three touchdowns? Absolutely, you had to score three touchdowns against the Utah defense first. I was gonna I say, can... they're like, yeah, their their offense is kind of bad.
2: Caleb Williams just put up 32 on him.
1: Well, it's yeah, he's Williams. Caleb Williams, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, actually, no, some of um, a lot of well, those, Notre well, Notre Dame one just was, held
2: them to 20, but
1: one was, um. A pick six. Right. Or did Caleb Williams actually have three touchdowns? I'm I'm not familiar with the game stats.
2: Yeah, they scored four or yeah, I think four.
1: Okay. I know I remember one was a pick six, and I think one was like a punt return. But I see what you're saying. I would just I think Utah's defense is so good um that I think they, they could keep them in the game by themselves. Um, three touchdowns. It to me just seems like a little bit of a stretch, um, but I do think Florida State would win that game. But I think you're telling me a bit. You're
2: different. telling me Oregon State can shit on them, but Florida State would not.
1: It's like the Pac-12, like just cannibalizing itself. I for That's... some reason when they play each other, I think they both just go down to the same level. And then uh, when they play other conferences, they, they actually get up for it. I don't know. It's hard to
0: to describe. But. I do think it, it is worth mentioning that I do think it's more likely that Oregon State or even UCLA could sneak into this playoff before I think Utah would, would finish out strong enough. If um, UCLA got in, I would really throw up. <laughs> <laughs> is what, USC has two losses now? Yeah. To Utah, two losses. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. I don't think UCLA would be in it. I, I'm just thinking who else in the Pac-12 could could get after it. And yeah, no, well, Oregon State, Oregon State, third. yeah, Oregon State, maybe. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't feel too good. But I do think that that does, you know, set up the fact that okay, well, now we do really get the four best teams in in the playoff where. You know, if TCU had to get through a team like USC last year before they played Michigan, I think that, you know, maybe that ends up a little bit differently. And, you know, Michigan and USC would have been a good game. And I don't know how exactly it would have shaped up, but I think it. if the whole end game is to have the best four-team playoff, which this current system doesn't do typically, um, I think this is the, the best best path for that. And then I think it also does give some type of credibility to those teams, even like Ole Miss or Utah in this situation, or the loser of Texas Bama. That's you know, hey, we, you know, this is an accomplishment. We did make it to the college football playoff. We did have a very successful season. Now we can capture this momentum. Where if Texas is playing in the Alamo Bowl, then who fucking cares? So I think, I think that gotta, that's the the value there.
2: I think we got to get away from saying let's have the best four team playoff and say the most deserving because Mm -hmm. like Nick Saban was bitching about last year, he was like, well, we have two losses, but Vegas thinks we're, we're better than uh, some of these teams in here. Well, you lost two games. It doesn't matter what Vegas thinks. It's what you go out and prove and what you go out and earn. Like Michigan was, is far and away better football team last year than TCU, but TCU beat them.
0: So yeah, you're right. Are, I, you're I just right, think that is it's such the a four pet best teams. Yeah, yeah, it's the four yeah, most deserving teams. Yeah, the uh, the mo Yeah, but it, yeah, it gives those teams an opportunity to earn their way in because Michigan, Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia, in this scenario before conference championships, they earn that spot by winning their conference. They're the four of the best conference champions, and uh, then you have teams like Oregon and. Presumably Florida State, presumably Utah, or presumably Ohio State, then now they earn their way in. So I think that it sets up for a better semifinal, even whether it's the four best teams or what should be the four most deserving teams. I think that's absolutely a win and I can't wait for it.
1: Yeah, but then you have teams like Air Force getting in. Like
0: <laughs> Well, good on them, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe they they, they deserve it if they win their conference, whatever, but
0: yeah and I mean well and it's, I grant the Air Force shit, this year probably isn't the, the best example and it's a little bit different now that you know those four teams are now in the Big 12 but like when you do have a team like UCF or Cincinnati who is far and above better than all the other group of 5 schools they do sh- they should get their chance you know yeah. and it's, it's such a, a shitty thing if college football gets more fractured to where to where it is now where the group power 5 is the NFL and Group of 5 is FCS football. I think any opportunity to kind of get blend those blend those two areas of college football I think is better for for the product as a whole. And I think here, I'm
1: just more so saying that because I watched uh, LSU just kill the Army like what was it 38 nothing at Like uh, at halftime
0: or something. Yeah, but LSU is full of a bunch of terrorists. They obviously hate America. (laughs) Have some respect. (laughs) This year, I'd have to say the best group of five team is either
2: James Madison or Tulane.
1: Which is bullshit. Fuck the NCAA. Let the Dukes in. Let the Dukes play. It's fucking bullshit.
2: Well, I mean, no matter who it is, I think they would get curb stomped by Ohio State.
1: Yeah, but still... Two straight years of great ball that they're playing, and they don't even get to have the chance to get blown out.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not nothing. And like I said, I mean, that would be a huge boost for a team like JMU And they got in. You know, we talk about how, I mean, I don't know what kind of a boost an academy school like Air Force could get, assuming they don't do things the same way as everybody else. But JMU, yeah, if, if they, even if they do make the playoff and get, Ship pumps by Ohio state. That's incredible. That's yeah. such a big boost for them that I, you get all those eyeballs on your team on, on your football program. You, you get to the university gets to benefit from it by their advertising of it. I, I mean, it's such a, it's such a big deal to make the college football playoff that. Yeah. I think JMU would, and any group of five schools should gladly volunteer to get shit canned in round one at, in Columbus. Yes. I think there needs to be
2: like a criteria though, for some of these group of five schools, just because if you look at air forces schedule, they absolutely should go 12 and zero because they're going to be favored in every game where a team like Tulane, I understand they lost by 17 to Ole Miss, but Ole Miss was, is now ranked 12 and Tulane was without their starting quarterback. And like, you guys point out it was twenty twenty heading into the fourth quarter where you know and they beat USC last year in a New Year's six bowl game. Yeah. So that has to count for something too. And yeah. I do
0: think that at the end of at the end of the season this will shape up where if Tulane does go in, go yeah. undefeated the rest of the way. They win the American Conference, which is objectively a at least has been a much better conference than than the mountain West so they probably do get in or they probably do get that you know highest ranked conference champion uh delegation um at least they should yeah I think you're absolutely right absolutely but yeah and th- and this would look totally different if we fast forwarded to conference champions because both Texas and Oklahoma aren't aren't getting in here um probably not at least um Alabama would have two losses. Likely, um, Florida State would be higher than they are. Probably, you know, we have an opportunity for Oregon to get in instead of Washington. If not, they have two losses, so Utah's yeah. going to have a few losses. So, yeah, it's it's all all to be determined. But I mean, I still think this is this is the way to do it. Yeah, it's I, fun to I, talk about. Yeah. Well, perfect, fellas. Anything else you'd like to add before we we wrap up for for the evening? That's all. Oh, perfect. We got more Corners for Connection coming your way here this week. We obviously have Go Big 12 or Go Big Home, Boogie Brook, and the boys return. It was a good week for for, for a couple of us uh, the last time that, that we got our bets in. So outstanding <laughs> stuff. Um, so we'll be back. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.